Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning. We're here in your house. Lord, your word says that the unfolding of your word brings light. And therefore this morning, Lord, even as we're here in your house, speak to our hearts through your word. Bring light into our lives. Lord, your word says that the church is a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That men may see the good works that we do and be draw and be drawn unto you. I pray, Father, that Lord, even as we hear your word, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us and Lord, that you would empower us, O Lord, to be that city on that hill. The salt to this earth which will commend this earth to you. And therefore this morning, through your word, wash us, sanctify us, set us apart a little more. Through the washing of water by the word, that we will be, O Lord, a set apart bride, sanctified and ready for the coming of the Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. We'll start with uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse number 52. Um, remember uh, last time when we when I was sharing, we were talking about the three different aspects of um, of every believer. That uh, Jesus said to them, therefore every scribe, every scribe who has become a disciple, of the kingdom of heaven is like a householder or a steward who brings out of his treasure new things and old. Okay, so we have like three levels of growth that we have to go through, three phases, from being a scribe to a disciple and to the to becoming a steward. This is the path that God has ordained for every one of us. A scribe who studies the word. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is just not for ministers of the word to study the word. It is for all of us to read, to read the word. And even as the, you read the word, the Lord, the Lord will speak to you. And in the process of becoming a steward, a steward of the mysteries of God, the most important aspect is to become a disciple. This is where our struggle is to be disciplined. We we understand discipleship, we understand discipline, we know what what are the areas that we have to get disciplined in. But what is the end product? It's just not becoming a steward. It's there's some kind of a character that is that God is rotting through this process of becoming disciples that will make us witnesses of something which is which is inherent in God, the very nature of God. What will be the, that, that defining characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ? How will God know or people know that you are his disciple? This is John's Gospel chapter 13. John's Gospel chapter 13 and verse 34. This is what it says. A new commandment I give to you. That you, what? Love one another. As I have loved you. Now this is, this love is very clearly defined. Just in case you get, give your own definitions of love. He says, love the way that what? I, that is Jesus has loved us. That you love one another. 
like we we've seen uh, we've been going through this uh, series of series on uh, love last time last Sunday we looked at the four dimensions of God's love now we're talking about a disciple now and in the, the connection of a disciple and the love that God has I mean uh, for us and what he wants to rot in us through the ministry of the word through the through circumstances and situations right and then he says by this all will know that you are what my disciples how if you have you have that love that I have towards you for one another. That is how we know that we are disciples. So we, we're talking about being disciples, right? That is the quintessential characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ that he has love. Because he can have all the gifts, he can have all the prophecies, and he is able to, to, to crack the word and understand mysteries, have all knowledge, have all faith, etc. Like the children sang, you know, but if you, if you do not have love, then you are actually not his disciple. Or everything else, but not his disciple. By this, I think that's what uh, LTD stands. Love that demonstrates. Love that delivers. Right? By this shall all know, you are my disciples. Pastor Sharon uh, taught us that song, no? So this shall all know. What is a disciple? How do we know that you are, that we are Jesus' disciples? The way that we love one another in the church. The way that we love and show and express the love toward one another. They see that love and they say, boy, whose disciples are you? Then you'll say, you know what? We are disciples of Jesus. And that is what God wants to rot in us through different processes. And he puts us in a family, one from a tribe, two from a country, from different, different parts of the world God has brought us together. I don't think we would have never, ever become one as a family if we were, if we would have been in our own spheres of, of, of uh, careers, etc. It's impossible. It's God who brought us together. And the demonstration that we are his disciples is when we have that kind of a love. That love, which is not, this is not sentimental love. This is love, like we heard last Sunday, the four dimensions of that love. Okay, so this is essentially the fulfillment of the law. You see, uh, Anisha was praying, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We cannot become righteous before God through our works. But then there's something, the righteous requirement of the law is, you know, this is what it says in Romans chapter 8. Or verse 3 onwards. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and, and, and on account of sin, that is our sin. He condemned sin, our sin, where? In his flesh, that, or in other translations we'll say, in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be what? Fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit and then you'll ask this question what is the righteous requirement of the law what is the requirement of the law Romans chapter 13 owe no one anything except to love one another for he who loves another has what fulfilled the law that is the righteous requirement of the law and then he says for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness you shall not covet and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in 
this saying, namely what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Righteous requirement of the law is to love. L-O-V-E. Okay. Now, but the problem is we, 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 we have so many different understandings of what love is. Therefore, we need to have, what is the Bible to, what kind of a love is this? How do we get this kind of a love? Is it possible to love this way? To owe no man anything except the debt of love. That's Paul, that's what Paul says. I am a debtor, he says, to the Greeks and to the barbarians. As much as is possible in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to that who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And what motivated him to preach the gospel to the, to the places where the gospel was never preached was the love of God. The love of God, he says, constrains us, compels us. And therefore in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, And now abide, what? Faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Now that, that's interesting, right? I mean, but point is, who has this kind of a love? Does every believer have this kind of a love? Just being born again in the family of God, does it guarantee that you will have this kind of a love? The love the, which actually fulfills the righteous requirement of the law is a question. Look at what it says. I mean, everybody is like smiling and saying, you know, obvious answer is no. So why? Why does, why, what, 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 whom, um, rather, uh, who are those people whom God says are loving people? I mean, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the church. Hmm? If you look at the preceding verses, look at what it says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 11 and 12. Look at what it says. When I was a what? A child. <laughs> what? I spoke as a Actually, the word is infant, okay? This word child is infant, newborn baby. Have you seen infant? How do they speak? Mama, mama, ta, 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 ta. So, spiritually also, okay, if you are an infant in Christ, how does God look at you and when, when you speak, when he speaks to you, <laughs> you speak like what? Back to God like, hmm? very cute, but mama, mama, ta, 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 ta. You understand as a child. I mean, you cannot talk to a child about spiritual things. That's essentially the indictment of Paul to the Corinthians. He says, you know what? You guys are children. No, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. Like Pastor was talking about, he says, there are three kinds of Christians. There are Christians who are at the at the flesh level, at the child level, who are very shallow. Their understanding is very shallow. Their speech is very shallow. They think like children. But what? When I became a man, what do I do? I put away childish things. This kind of a love is not for children, by the way, therefore. This is not for children. This song that I, that I taught the children, I was, I was 17 years old when I learned that song. This song, you will not find it on the internet. Somebody, I mean, this is like way back in 1997, 98, whereabouts. Um, I just got saved and the first youth uh, uh, camp that we had and then after that we had a follow-up session that is when we learned the song um, if I could talk okay. as a child learns when he becomes a man so shall we someday understand okay. so, when you become a man there's something that you do that you put away childish things I mean there's ex- something which is expected from you when you are growing even in a house in a home 
you put away childish things and you say, you should be behaving like that. <laughs> okay, when you were uh, two years, three years old, okay, fine. You know, when I used to ask Abigail when she was a small baby, you know, as I say, Abigail, smile, she used to and immediately she used to put her face like that, down, no? I mean, that's how they understand. Now, when we crack jokes, she understands and she smiles. Okay. She, because now she's understanding, because her understanding is, she's become mature. In terms of her understanding, right? So, look at this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then what? I mean, just, just keep that face to face in mind, okay? We'll just come back to that face to face. Not that uh, this face to face has got anything. This face to face has got anything to do with the face to face. I'm going to uh, introduce to you this morning. But this is something which you need to just keep in your mind. All right. Then and then he says, now abide what faith, hope, and love of the greatest of these three is what. And therefore, that is essentially what Paul is saying in for, to the Corinthians. He says, "I, brethren, I could not speak to you as what spiritual people, but as to what carnal." And as infants, as children, the same word. I fed you with milk. Can you imagine? <laughs> this morning, <laughs> if I were to give you all a milk bottle, you will definitely be offended with me. The best milk, even if it is the best milk. That's an ordinary answer. No? That's a, so he says, but he says, you know what, I could not. Why? I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are not able. You know, you don't have the capacity. Cyrillac is the only thing that I can give you in the maximum. Alright? Think about it. You're not able to receive it. And, and how does he qualify this child? Is he not born again? Of course he is born again. Are they not saints? Of course he ad- addresses them as saints. Are they not people who are on the process of being sanctified? Yes. But boy, at a very fundamental level. Look at what he says about them. Goes on to say. For you are still carnal. Okay. Now think about this. Why are you carnal? For where there is what? What? Envy, strife and what? Divisions among you. Are you not carnal and actually you are behaving like what? Unregenerate men. That's what it means. See, there are two kinds of men in the Bible. The last Adam, Adam, everybody who is in Adam. That's the first man. And the last Adam is Jesus Christ. And why is he called the last Adam? And one of, one of the things that he, uh, that he, that he, how he, that's exact, exactly how he addresses himself. He is son of man, son of man, son of man. Ben Adam means the last Adam. He became, he became the, the, the legal representative of the entire Adamic race in that when he was crucified on the cross, all the evil heritage of Adam was expiated on the cross by the last Adam. He took all the sin and the, and the, and the evil influence of sin, the consequences of sin, the iniquity of, 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 of Adam was put upon him, put upon, uh, upon him on the cross. And when he was buried and he rose again from the dead, he became the second man. He's not the first man anymore. Who is this? He's the last Adam. And when he was risen from the dead, he becomes the second man. He is the harbinger of a new race, the God man race. The God-man race, that's exactly the reason why we love those songs, no? In Hark the Herald Angels Sing, no? Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. 
Why? Because he was, he reconciled us with God on the cross by becoming the last Adam and then he was risen from the dead. He became the second man. And you know what Paul is saying? You are behaving like that first man still? You're carnal, you're babies. Why? Because you're, you have strife, you have competition, you do not have the willingness to yield. You know how I know a believer is maturing? When he has the willingness to yield. Otherwise you are at best a psychological, intellectual, reasonable Christian. That's what, that's what a natural man is. A natural man is sukikos, means he understands only through his mind. He does not, he does not have a revelation in his spirit. He has no revelation in his spirit. He cannot be, because he's still at the level, at, at max, of a soulish man. That is the reason why it says the wisdom that is from below is what? Earthly. It is what? Soulish. Sensual or soulish or sukikos. It is of the psychology. And at the same time, it is demonic. But the wisdom which is from above is what? Pure. Peaceable. Gentle. And then it says, willing to yield. Oh, I love that word. Willing to yield. The grace to yield. I think Derek Prince was the one who said, the man's spiritual strength is directly proportional to how much of the burden that God can put upon him of others. Okay, that is men. And he says, you know what, babies, I, I, can't, I can't treat you as men. As men in Christ, in other words. Why? Because divisions. And one of the things you need to understand, you have to be very careful even in the church of those people who cause divisions. Because they're carnal. Their mind is upon their own flesh. They're selfish people. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 16, verse 16 onwards. Greater, greet one another with a what kiss? Kya baat hai? Why? Holy kiss. Why does it become a holy kiss? Before you were regenerate, you had the poison of asps in your lips. So when you kissed, people died. Because kiss is an ultimate expression of love. It's the most sensitive part of your, of your face or even if your, of your body. And you express love through a kiss. It was not a holy kiss. It was a serpent's bite. I thought, I think that's what, that's how Cleopatra died. Okay. Fine. So then what happens? Now you're regenerate. He touched your lips. He cleansed you from all your uncleanness. And now what has happened? Your lips have become holy. And now when you, you are able to express love through what? Through what? Yes, okay. Now, holy kiss is, is something. Be very sure when you're kissing somebody, it's a holy kiss, okay? The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. And offenses. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> look at that. And then he says, contrary to doctrine which you have learned. That is what the word is. This word, you should be very, very jealous for this word. Learned means to be discipled in. Okay. And avoid them. And then he goes on to say, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own what? Belly. They're selfish. They are carnal. They use smooth words, flattering lips, deceive the hearts of the simple. So, we want not this kind of love. So, this kind of love is only for people who are growing and who are interested in becoming spiritual men and not just still carnal babies. So, when we're talking about love, this is biblical love, the natural man man, and those who are carnal will not be able to understand this kind of love. 
Understand this, okay? So therefore, why do we come to the ministry of the word? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and good works. Stir up love. This love. The whole purpose of coming to the ministry of the word of God is to stir up first what? Love. Look at the order. Not good works. Stir up what? Love. Once you have love, you will have good works. Like Pastor was talking about. Faith has works. Love has what? Ah, ah, ah. You're not listening. Once more. Faith has works. Yes, somebody said something. Labor. Sammy, of course, he has to hear everything. Okay, he's streaming it online. <laughs> Love has labor. Faith has works. So, you stir up love and then good works. You should be people who are zealous for good works. Who are not doing good works, but who are zealous for good works. You understand? Now, how do we get this kind of love? What is the spiritual environment I have to create in myself? Know that. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> what is the spiritual environment I have to create in myself so that God can produce this kind of a love? Because it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It means you cannot manufacture this kind of love at all in your own flesh. An unregenerate man, is imp- for him it is impossible to have this kind of a love. So what is the spiritual environment I have to create in myself in order for me to grow in this kind of a love is a question that I want to ask myself. So First Timothy, chapter 1. Let's read it in two different translations to get a picture of how to, to grow in this love. Verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment. I like that. Other translations will use the word, the goal of our instruction. Other translations will use, will use the word, the purpose of our charge. I charge you. Okay. It's like a commander giving, I mean, it's like a command to love. No, only a commander can give a command, right? And then it says, is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. In other words, you know what? If you do not have this kind of love, all that you speak is what? Idle talk. It's all words. No stuff at all. Because I know. Too much of talk, but no substance at all. Faith without works is dead. But faith has to be expressed through love. Therefore, faith without love is dead. You understand? Let us look at it in the the NIV translation. Look at what it says. The goal of our command is love. Notice that. Which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Some having departed from this have turned to meaningless talk. So every other love that you express, oh, oh, I love you, meaningless. It's meaningless. Sometimes, you know, they come and say, I love you. Sounds very robotic. So it's a machine. Press the button, I love you. She says, meaningless talk. It's all manufactured. It's got no substance at all. Because you know what? I'll, I'll look at your life, Baba. You are hardly <laughs> that. <laughs> That's what she says. Through their lives, they deny him, it says. Through their lives, they deny. So, this found, this love, it has to be produced from three ingredients. 
This love comes from what? First, everybody say, pure heart. Second, it comes from a good conscience. Third, it comes from a sincere fear. And by the way, they're all related. They're not mutually exclusive. Because good conscience, I will, I will, I will prove to you, is in the heart, by the way. Sincere faith, because you believe in your heart. So, a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith produces what? Love. This love is produced only. So, you see, the foundation of this, I, I, I told you, you know, in, in, in robotics, um, you know, if you want to keep a robot stable all the time, it has to have at least three legs or three wheels, minimum. Otherwise, it will be bicycle. You know, bicycle is not stable all the time. You have to put stand. So, if you put a stand, how many legs does it have? Three legs. The moment it has only two legs, what should you do? You balance. Okay. So, you will have imbalanced life if you have only pure heart or a sincere faith and no good conscience. But it's all, in, all related, by the way. It's, uh, you cannot, uh, you cannot separate one from the other. So three things, a pure heart, good conscience, and the sincere faith. These are the three ingredients which produce the love that God demands from each one of us. The agape love. The agape love. The love of God. So first, let us start from a pure heart. I want to look at this pure heart. What does it mean to have a pure heart? Okay. Now, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... I, I like that. No, it's, it's very, very interesting. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... Okay. If you do not have a pure heart... Excuse me? You cannot see God, but if you see God with from an impure heart, you will die. That's the point. You understand? <laughs> if you see God from an impure heart, think about it, okay? Seven days of ordination, of consecration. Who? Nadab, Abaihu, Abhi, uh, what is that? Aitamar and, and Eliezer and Aaron. Seven days of consecration. Cleaning, blood, cleaning, blood, change garments, put, put, put water, change garments, put water, cleaning, blood, cleaning, blood, seven days in the, inside the tabernacle, don't come out. And then what happens? On the seventh day, the consecration is over. You know what happens? The glory of God comes into the tabernacle and everybody falls flat on their face and says, you know, they start worshipping God. And then it says, Nadab and Abihu took their incense, I'm oh, sorry, their censers, and they put profane, strange fire on their incense, which the Lord did not command. And they went into the most holy place, almost, okay? The altar of incense is right, right there near the most holy place. You know what happened? They were consumed by what? If they were consumed by fire, what should happen to them? They should be burnt. But they took their bodies and went out. Are they burnt bodies? I mean, sometimes I, I, I want to think, you know, I just really, really want to just imagine it in my mind. It was the fire of God consumed them, it says, but their bodies did not get burnt. Their clothes did not get burnt. What happened? 
I believe when they went into that most holy place for a glimpse, they saw the glory of God and they couldn't handle it. And they just fell flat on their, right there and died. You know, that's the reason why in the old covenant, you know what the priests are supposed to do? They have to have their tents around the tabernacle. So that if any of the people come close, they can protect the people from coming close to the tabernacle. Otherwise they will, what? Die. That is the reason why God tells uh, Moses, nobody can see my face and live. Therefore I will hide you, etc, etc, etc. Now the point here is, if I have to have a pure heart, Condition also is, in, to, my, to, the, to, the, to the, way, the way I look at it is, I have to see God. Some, something of God I should see in order for me to begin to have a pure heart. See, the goal is what? To get love. And what am I doing now? So just keep this in mind. I want to create an environment in my own self so that God can produce in me that kind of a love. Because it says, love that comes from a pure heart, from a clear conscience and from a sincere faith. First, the first thing, therefore, is I have to pursue what is what I call as a purity of heart. How do I pursue it? Let us see. Psalm twenty-fourth. Three things I want to talk about in purity of heart. Just keep it in mind. Three fundamental things about purity of heart. Psalm twenty-four. Look at this is what it says. Psalm twenty-four, verse three: Who may ascend ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? I just told you, right? Nedabandabai who went to the holy place. They did not even go to the most holy place, by the way. They just went into the holy place. Okay. And then he says, what? He who has clean sanda and a pure heart. Now he is going to qualify this person who has got clean hands and a pure heart. You know, uh, no, Anisha was praying, Lord, give us clean hands and a pure heart. So who are those people who have got clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, first thing, nor has sworn deceitfully. That is interesting. What is deceitfully? He does not have craftiness. You should see the craftiness of children. Children, children. They are very crafty. Something, sometime back, you know, Cyril Namaya said, no, he says, Viper in a diaper. They're true. It's true. They're, they're very crafty. They know how to manipulate. We're all Jacobs. This word, by the way, deceitful, you should see the first time it is used in the Bible. You know, in whose context it is, it is used? Genesis chapter 25 and verse 34 onwards. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But his father said, your brother came how? Ah! Deceitfully. And took your blessing. That is the reason why the Bible says, the heart is, the word is Jacob. The heart is Jacob above all things. And desperately wicked. It tries to get the blessings of God in a crooked way. See, let me, let me tell you something. A righteous God will never pour out a blessing on an unrighteous, unholy man. It's impossible. The very qualification to be a person who is blessed by God is to be righteous in the sight of God. And therefore, unless and until you are clothed in the righteousness of God, 
It is impossible for God to bless you. It is impossible. Okay. And then you know what he says? <laughs> Esau prophesies about his brother. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has what? Taken advantage of me. Therefore, what is the quintessential nature of the fallen man? To take advantage. Where should I do? Even in his giving also. Somewhere I should, like a pastor was talking about, motivations are three. For promotion, for name, for fame, for self. You see? He has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, now he has taken my blessing. But how did he do it? Deceitfully. And therefore he says, but the problem is, a man who has got clean hands and a pure heart is a person who has what? Not sworn deceitfully. Are you Jacob? You sound like, sorry, are you Esau? You sound like Jacob. Smell. Are you sure? Yes, yes. How did you get this so quickly? The Lord gave it to me. So fast. And a lot of people know they go for visa. They put all their documents. Full fraud. What is your bank account? 45 lakhs. Where did you get it? <laughs> exactly. They put full, full, and the CA will give you an appraisal of your, of your, uh, of your property that you have. By the time that you go to the visa office, the CA will say, this man is a crorepati. 1.5 crores only. His entire assets. And then you go to the visa office. Please pray for my visa. Please pray for my visa. Please pray, please pray, please pray. And then you get the visa. And then you said, the Lord gave it to me. Kya baat? How did he get it? The Lord gave it to me. How did he get this? The Lord gave it to me. How did you get this job? Fraud resume, but the Lord gave it to me. You know? <laughs> I mean, been there, done that, okay? I'm not just putting, pointing fingers at anybody. We were all, we were all once upon a time that. But the problem is, if you have been predestined to be conformed to the pre- to the to the image of God. You know what Bible says? Jacob, I have. What is there in Jacob to love? I have loved. Period. What is there in you to love? <laughs> Nothing. That is the reason why it says it is not on the person who wills, but on God who shows mercy. Oh, I have loved you. The Lord says, How did you love us? Was not Esau the firstborn? Yet I said, yet I said, Jacob have loved and Esau have hated. What was the qualification of Jacob? Nothing. But the problem is, God is not going to keep him Jacob forever. He should have what? A pure heart. And look at what it says in Psalm 24. Let's go back there. He shall receive a blessing from God. Who's the person who will receive a blessing from God? Can Jacob receive a blessing from God? No. No, 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 no. 
and righteousness from the God of his salvation. But this Jacob, translation is, is not there. This Jacob, you know who is this Jacob? The generation of those who seek your face. That is something which we need to understand. What is there for to seek God's face? What does it mean to seek the face of God? What does it mean? To seek the face of God, what does it mean? Let us see. This is Genesis, this is Genesis chapter 32 after Jacob has, has, uh, um, deceived Esau, stole his birthright, fell in love with Rachel, etc., etc. 20 years have passed. Deceived his mama. Okay, running back to, he's going back to his house because the Lord appeared to him and said, go back. Etc. Go back to Bethel. Now he's scared of Esau. So he divides the entire company. And Genesis chapter 32, this is what happens. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the Ford Jabbok. Okay, this, just remember this word, Jacob, Jabbok, okay. Sorry, sorry. This word, Jabbok. Very important word. Jabbok. Okay? Beautiful word. Let's see that. He took them, sent them over to the brook, over the brook, and sent over uh, what he had, and he was left alone. Okay? Then a man rested. Three things have to happen in order for you to see, see the face of God. First of all, you have to be left alone. But before you are left alone, you should wear, where should you go? Jabak, you know what Jabak means? Empty. Fully empty. Completely empty. And the, by the way, and who has to wrestle? Jesus has to wrestle with you. And you remember, great is your faithfulness, O God. And you do what? You wrestle with the sinners. You know the word for wrestling? It's the same word as Jabak. It's got the same uh, uh, root word as Jabak. You know what it means? It means to be brought down to dust. To become a worm. Earthworm, you know, earthworm. You to literally become a worm. Okay, so Jabak is to empty. You should be left alone with God. And you should be made to feel that you are a worm. That is the reason why he says, don't be afraid. My worm, Jacob. Jacob, the worm. That is what God says. Okay, I'm not saying that, oh, I mean, this is what, uh, not day, his songs, we have changed all that, no? Alas, and did my savior bleed? Remember that song? Alas, and did my savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he dido- devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? And can it be? <laughs> at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. The burdens of my heart were rolled away. So what has to, what has to happen to Jacob? He has to be emptied. He has to be left alone and God has to wrestle with him and put him to the dust. These three things have to keep on happening for us every day of our lives. I mean, not every day. Regular, at regular intervals. We have to be emptied. We have to be left alone and God has to wrestle. Because we are all Jacob at heart. Very difficult for us. You know, it's so difficult for Christians to change. The prodigal son is a Jew. But he has to become what? Emptied, left alone, and made to feel that he is what? Dust. 
So what does God do? Luke 15, Luke's gospel chapter 15. Not long after that, the young son took, the, took, son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living, prodigal living. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's his philosophy. After he had spent everything, there was a, there was no severe famine before. Everything was over. Bank balance was over. Now he said, okay, fine. I can work. I'm young. I can go and get a job for myself. No problem. I got a qualification from my father's university. No problem. You know, know what will God do? If you, if, if he has predestined you, he will give you all the qualifications and he will steal all your qualifications too. I, I, I'm not joking. That's exactly what happened to me. When I went to Canada, I got a scholarship. But God predestined me. The problem is that to be conformed to the image of his son. You wouldn't believe it. By the time I was in the third year, the university lost all my certificates. They lost it. My parents also don't know. Lost all my certificates. All my original is gone. IIT master's certificate, gone. Usman University third rank certificate, gone. All certificates, gone. I became what? Jabak. Because he's got, he's got a purpose for your life. I think somebody watchman, he was, I think pastor sent that forward, no? God will ruin your plans before your plans ruin you. Exactly what happened? Empty. No, he has no <laughs> opportunity. But God, I got them back. Okay, don't worry. Okay, otherwise I would have not gone to some other university later on. But what I'm saying is that at that point, everything is gone. You are in the, and you are asking this question, Lord, what am I doing over here? Take up your bag, pack up, and go back to India. God will bring you to those situations in your life. Because you know what? You want the blessing of God, but you are still what? Jacob. And God has to deal with Jacob in this way. Empty him. Completely. You know, he wanted to appease his brother. You know what he did? Whatever his hands found. <laughs> it's an interesting, no? Whatever his hands found, he took all the bunch of it and he sent it, sent it before. The best of everything. 20 female sheep and Kong. I mean, you should look at the list of the, of the appeasement gift that he uh, sends before, uh, before him to meet Esau. And he began to be in need. What has happened? He has come to the, what we call as rock bottom. Then what happens? So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. <laughs> Where? Who sent him to his fields to what? To feed pigs. The first one thing that you do not want to use in the Middle East is the word pig. And then it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pots that pigs were eating. But what? No one is absolutely by himself. Left alone, emptied. And God is wrestling with him. Empty. 
And it goes on to say. Then, what happened? He came to his senses. That is when it dawned upon him. Till that point. You see, until and un- at the, till the point you are left alone with God, there is no contemplation. Like Pastor was telling the people in the in the other church that we were ministered. You know, there will be a point in your life, life your back will be against the wall and there will be no help. At that moment, cry out to Jesus. He came to his senses. And you know what he says? I am no longer. Ah. That means I am. What? I am what? Nothing. That is the realization. I am no longer worthy. Did Jacob say that? No, no, no. Look at this. He did, did, did say that. In Genesis chapter 32. Go, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and your family and I will deal with, well, deal well with you. I am not worthy. Let's come to the point now. In the, in the, in the, in the book of Jonah, who is the problem? Nineveh or Jonah? Huh? Jonah is the problem. Nineveh is not the problem. That's what Derek Prince says. You know what? Bend the church, bow the world. Bend the church, bow the world. The church will not bend. The difficult, the most difficult person to deal with in the entire episode is the prophet. Can you believe that? The irony of it all. And what was Jonah doing? He was running away from the word of God. From the presence of God. And then it says in Jonah chapter 2. Look at what he says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Where Baba? On the third day. He was there, right there in the fish's belly for three days. And on the third day. Look at what he says. He said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol. I cried to the Lord. He answered me. Yes, of course. When? On the third day. Out of the belly of Sheol, of hell, I cried. And you heard my voice. For you cast me. Who cast me? You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. And all your billows and your waves passed over me. Isn't it interesting? Dealing with Nineveh was so easy. Send the prophet. He'll just preach the message. 40 days and Nineveh is gone. They will all repent. And for the prophet, you see, that is exactly what we are in, in, even in the church, many of us. And then he says, you know what he says? He's all by himself, left alone. He's right there in the fish's belly. How many of you like fish smell? Fish market? And that's the reason when Asterix, that fellow is called unhygienics. What is his name? Unhygienics, the fishmonger. Asterix, Obelix, (laughs) Cacophonics, (laughs) the bard. Why why is he Cacophonics? Because when he plays music, it's only Cacophony. And what is the fishmonger? Unhygienics. And then he says, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And then he says, Oh Lord, those who regard what? Worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And then when he paid that, so the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah into dry land. Now, Buddha Chin. See? Then, now, then this is exactly what happens to even Jacob. Now he's left alone. 
He's come to a point in his life. He's become nothing. God emptied him. He's left alone with God. And now God is wrestling with him and showing that he is dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. And the wind passeth over it and it is gone. And the place thereof remembers it no more. It is dust. He remembers our frame. That we are like what? Dust. Now they understand. Now he understands. So he starts wrestling with God. You know what he says? Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. It says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his lip, of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with God. So he broke him completely. And he said, let me go for the day breaks before the sundown. What was he doing? You know what was, what was doing? What was Jacob doing? This is what it says in Hosea chapter 12 about Jacob. Verse 3 onwards, chapter 12. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. And as a man, in the womb, he was an infant. And as a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel. That is God, Jesus himself. And he overcame him. And he what? I like this. Wept. Bitterly. And he said, Lord, unless you bless me, Lord. But the point here is this. Something happens to Jacob here. Genesis chapter 32, it goes on. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. You know that, that, that conversation that he's got. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, passing by. But Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked us, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. Okay. You don't have to know my name. Later on I will tell Moses. Okay. But right now you are still in, not, not in the position to know my name. But move on. Look at what it says. And Jacob called the name of the place what? What? Peniel. For I have seen the face of God and I am still alive. What has happened? What has happened? Why is your life preserved? Remember the demoniac. The demoniac is in the tombs. He's cut himself. He's bleeding all over. And how is he? He's naked. And where is he living? Near the tombs. Jesus comes, heals him, delivers him. And then, at the end of the chapter it says, he was clothed, in his right mind and sitting at Jesus' feet. He wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, don't follow me. Go and tell people what? What compassion God had on you. How did God show compassion upon him? I, used to, I, I always think about it. How did God show compassion upon him? How did Jacob see the face of God and his life was preserved? How? How is it possible? You know why? The demoniac experienced the compassion of God. You know why? He was cut. But on the cross, Jesus was cut. He became naked. On the cross, Jesus became naked. He was near the tombs, but Jesus went inside the tomb. And on the third day, he was risen. And you know why, Jacob? You can see the face of God and not die. Because my son took your place 
on the cross and I showed him my face and he took the wrath of God and now you can live. The cross everywhere. That is the reason why Isaiah chapter 53 will say, powerful, surely he hath borne our griefs. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, what? We are healed. He. Because he took it all. Why are we able to see the face of God? Because Jesus took it all. Why are you not finished, Jacob? Why is your life still preserved? Because, because, in your place, he died. He absorbed the wrath of God. He became the substitute for you. And therefore your life is preserved. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Yet we did not. We esteem him stricken. You see, this is, this is the reason why he was bruised for our iniquities. That is the reason why the psalmist will say in Psalm 51, you know, look at what he says. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my, in sin my mother conceived me. And where do you desire? Truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Unless you purge me. Unless you cleanse me, it's impossible. But what is that? By the blood of the Passover lamb. Purge me. Cleanse me. Make me to hear joy and gladness. And then he says, verse 10, create in me what? A clean heart or a pure heart. It's possible. You know why? Because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now we can see God face to face. Through Jesus Christ. All our iniquities have been taken on the cross. All our sins have been paid for on the cross. And now we can see. We can be reconciled with God. And we can have peace with God. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. will say. I will give you what? A new heart. And put a new spirit. Why? Why is it possible? Because of Jesus. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything that is old is passed away. All has become new. And First Peter chapter 1 will say, How can you have this pure heart? Because you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but through the incorruptible, the, 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 the word of God which lives and abides. This pure heart is possible through this new birth. And why is it possible? Because of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know what the Bible says? After, after, uh, Jacob has this encounter. The Bible says, the sun rose on Jacob. Remember that? The sun rises on Jacob now. With healing in his wings. The sun of righteousness rises on him with healing in his wings. Now he can experience the love of God. The mercy of God. That is the reason why the hymn writer, you know, powerful hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Remember? Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting one, lo, in time, behold, he comes, offspring of the virgin moon, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adore. See that? 
mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. He's risen with healing in his wings. You know why? Now he's able, Jacob is able to have a pure pure heart with God. You know why? Because all his sins have been paid, has, have been paid for. Now he has been reconciled with God. His iniquities have been paid for. His sin has been paid for. His transgression has been paid for. Now he doesn't have to pretend before God anymore. He has seen God face to face through Jesus Christ. That's a cross. So the first, the only way that we can have a pure heart is when we have regular encounters with God near the cross. Otherwise, it's impossible. We have to be left alone. We have to be empty. And God has to wrestle with us. Okay, that is the only way that we'll begin to have a pure heart. That's the first step. The second step. How will we continue to nurture this pure heart? Is a question. This is Psalm 73. Psalm 73. This is what it says about, everybody knows the Psalm, the Psalm of Asaph. Look at what it says in Psalm 73 verse 1. Truly, truly God is good to Israel, to such as of a what heart? Pure in heart. Because, remember, the end of commandment is love from a what heart? From a pure heart. Now we are trying to see how to get this pure heart. Okay? To such as are of a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My step had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaf is very honest with God. Okay, Very, very honest. He says, God, you are good to me. And you are good to all those people who have a what heart? Pure heart. Very, then he says, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Nothing is happening to them. But everything is happening to me. You are regularly emptying me. You are regularly wrestling with me. You are regularly making me to feel like a worm. But those people, you are just leaving them alone. They are enjoying life. No, that's exactly what we say now. When we see our our colleagues now who are well settled in life, Lord, they're enjoying their life. But what for me? If I do one small mistake, you pull me up. Then he says he's very honest. Psalm 73. These people, these wicked people, they say, How does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in their riches. And then you know what he says? Surely, Lord, I have cleansed my heart in vain. What's the whole purpose of this living this pure life before you? How many of you felt like that? My nano did one lakh fifteen fifteen lakh one lakh fifteen thousand kilometers. Now, after, as it gets old, it's in, you know a lot of issues with the with the with the with the, with the engine. So in the morning, I have to go and start it first. Okay, because it, unless it gets heated, it will not start. So my landlord will make fun of me. He has a, another nice car. Okay, and he says, Vijay, your car is like one uh, space space engine. What is it? I said, what 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 do you mean, sir? 
He said, uh, in, in rocket science, you know what they do? There's something called as uh, ignition ready. Your nano also is like the rocket. It has to become ignition ready. Sarcasm, okay? I said, <laughs> sir, and I walk away, okay? I'm driving my nano. What is he driving? Fantastic. And you, actually, when you go to Gachiboli, every other car is a Bombay BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Endeavor, and in the middle of that big flow of traffic is your Nano, 10 to the power of minus 9. One is Hexa, that is 10 to the power of 8, and your Nano, 10 to the power of minus 9. So, you saying, Lord, what is this, Lord? My whole life is to please you, to cleanse my hands. But those people, and I'm praying, you're not giving me breakthrough. How many of you felt like that? Honestly, honest, okay. Honest, honest, no, let's be honest. Then, then, no, that is the reason why you have to come to church, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Surely I've cleansed my hands in vain. And you know, something happens to Asaf. For all day long, I've been plagued. And chastened every morning. You know what Job says? Lord, you test me not every day. Every moment you test me. You are like China. That is Chaitanya Narayana. They don't have just weekly tests. They don't have even daily tests. They have hourly tests. You finished. No, this is, this is like Chaitanya Narayana. Every hour test, 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 Lord. Those people, no test. But they are getting Corona batch. And they are getting promotions out of promotions. What is happening to me, Lord? And that's exactly what I... When I look at some of my classmates, when I was in university, I was top mega pand. And that fellow now is in professor in McGill University. I said, this boy, Lord, this fellow used to copy from me. <laughs> copy, this fellow used to copy from me. Which used to call me, you should ask my mother, how many of my friends used to call me, Vijay is there, Vijay is there, Vijay is there, please clear this doubt, please clear this doubt. Now what is he? Look at his LinkedIn profile. What is this Lord? Unbelievable. You know, you wouldn't believe it, no? I had Nobel laureate children in my class. And they copied from my assignment. And that is why Mark has said, Nobel laureate's daughter copied from me. And then you look at their resume. And where they are now. You see, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. If I would have continued to magnify the wicked, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I was looking and I said, Lord, this is painful, painful, painful. Even Jeremiah says, Lord, Lord, the prosperity of the wicked. And you call me from my mother's womb. You sanctified me. You set me apart to be a prophet to the nations. And nobody is listening to my message. Not one convert in my message, Lord. Not even one convert. I'm preaching and preaching and preaching. And these fellows are becoming harder and harder and harder. And they want to kill me now. Lord, how long, Lord? You know what Lord says? 
He doesn't say, come and say, Jeremiah, I understand what you're going through. No. If the horsemen, I'm sorry, if the foot shoulders are making you like this, what will happen to you if the horsemen come? Thank you, Lord. That is so comforting and so reassuring. In other words, it will become worse. Huh? Are the tests not going to stop in my life? When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Painful! Now, somebody gets a promotion and you deserve it. How does it feel? So it goes through your heart. But you say, I'm so happy for you, brother. Uh-huh. And look at what it says. Next one. This is, this is like, the, this is like the, the change in the mood, okay? It's from the melancholy change mood. It's a sailor now, it's a sailor moment, and the music is going on. And it says, until I went, where? Come to God's house every Sunday. If it is too painful for you to see the prosperity of the wicked. You know why? Then I understood their latter end. You know, Lord, what you're doing? It would have been better for you if you have stopped their prosperity. At least they would have sought God in their misery. But you are confirming them in their rebellion by prospering them. Thank God. You've been merciful to me. Till today. Till this year. Sign duck out of our Zoom account. Okay, Baba. Thank you. This is the problem with technology. Where is Keynote? Yeah, this is my Keynote address, okay? <laughs> keynote. Yes, there you go. Alright. Okay. Then I understood. Their end. You know what you did? You surely slipped, put them in what places? Slippery places. No, think about it, no? Pour, go, go do this experiment when you go home. Pour oil on the floor and stand on it. Pour oil on the floor or at least soap water on the floor. Can you walk confidently on stove soap water? Even if you balance like this and you say, yeah, nothing happened, nothing happened. You do not know when you will fall. The very next moment you might just fall. And you know what? You can fall without warning. That's exactly what God, God is saying. You know what? The wicked will fall. They will perish without warning. But my children know. Not that way. Oh, surely Lord. I've cleansed my heart in vain. Surely. You cast them down to destruction. You should read uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. Boy! I've never read any... I mean, that. no wonder revival happened after that. People were literally holding on to the pews when they were listening to the message. They wanted to kill him or they wanted to change. That is the reason why when the Holy Spirit comes, there will not be any people who are on the wall. No Godamida Pilli. Gopis are not going to be there. You know what he's going to do? He's going to electrify the fence. All the fence sitters will be either inside or outside. 
you set them in slippery places, Lord. You know why? I know where I'm going. They do not know. I know my latter end. They do not know their latter end. In fact, I know their latter end. They don't, don't even know where they're going. Till this morning. Till this morning. I look at myself and I say, what? I say, Lord, if you had not called me, if you have not stripped me, if you have not made me empty, if you have not made me alone, if, you know, those were the days, six months in my life when I was empty, I took the word of God and I devoured it for six months. Morning, noon, night. 24 by 7. My, 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 my bash, my roommates were like shocked. They looked at me and said, Vijay, what is wrong with you? What's going on? I was in the midst of all my roommates, but I was alone with God. Wrestling. Till today. Till today. In the morning I said, you know what, Lord, had it not been for that moment in my life and the series of events that have happened in my life, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't know where I was, where I was going. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, God in his mercy has afflicted you this morning in his mercy. Psalm 73. Now my heart is grieved for the right reason. <laughs> Not because of their prosperity. And I was vexed in my mind. You know what? The word for vexed is I was cut in my kidneys. That's what it means. My inmost parts was pierced inside. Why? Because I wrongfully indicted you, Lord, that you are unjust and unfair. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like, what before you? A beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually, continually with you. You are dealing with me. You are working with me. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, what will you do? You will receive me. You will justify me. You will sanctify me. And one day, when I suffer with him, I also will be glorified together with him. You will. And then he says, whom I have in heaven but you, Lord. There is nothing upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart, they fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. How long? Forever. Why? For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you or become unfaithful to you through their harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. And I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. So what is God doing here with Asaf? What is God doing with Asaf over here? You know what God is doing? He is disciplining him and pruning him. You know what the Bible says? It is to the Father's glory that you bear fruit. But the person who bears fruit, what will I do? I will prune. So that you bear more fruit. So the Father is glorified. More? You know why? You know why? You know why? You know why? I leave these people alone and I, you know why? I, 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 am concerned about you. Amos chapter 3 verses 1 to 2. Hear this word. 
that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel. Against the whole family which I brought from the land of Egypt. Saying, what is that? You only have I known. Oh Lord. You know, this is, in other words, I know you only means I know you because I made a covenant with you. By sacrifice. So what am I going to do? I'm going to punish for your iniquities. Oh, I know you. I'm going to bless you. No, I'm going to visit you. The word punish is not very, you know, people don't like it. Of course, punishment, nobody likes. I like the word visit. You know where the word visit occurs for the very first time? By this time, according to the time of life, I will visit you and Sarah will have a son. That is the word. Visit. Okay. Why? Because I'm a father. What am I going to do? I'm going to visit. Right? For what? For, for what? Your iniquities. You, you see, if you are born to a maths teacher... My daughters are looking at me like that. I am going to visit you for your iniquity. Because when I look at your paper, full iniquity. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, the other day, one of my daughters, I don't want to mention names because they'll get hurt nowadays, no? She did a division problem. She got a reminder, when the divisor was 74, she got a reminder of 120. <sighs> I said, you're all laughing. I said, said, which textbook are you following? This is accelerated Christian education. 120 is your reminder. And she's absolutely nonchalant. Reminder is equal to, check, check, check. Reminder is 120. Answer over. Take the question. I said, I'm going to visit you for your iniquity. (sighs) And then, I took her to my office. You know, Rududu, you know. I became China for her for a few days. <laughs> From morning till evening. Okay. Well, so all my daughters are different, okay. They're very, very different. Everybody has to be told in different ways. I can't choose just one carrot and stick method for everybody, you know. They have to be taught in different, different ways. Because how come you got 120? As a reminder, Baba, this is because I, I love you, okay? You know, think, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you something. In, uh, at least if you are a math, maths teacher, the most difficult arithmetic operation to master is division. And I saw big, big people in software companies who make mistakes. Division J, they'll not be able to do it. Because it's very intuitive. Very, very intuitive. Okay. You should have to teach division in different, different ways to the, te- to the children. So that is where you will find the maximum number of iniquity. Okay. So what am I going to do? I am your father. I love you. So I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to labor with you in love. Your mother labored only for nine months. <laughs> Because Emmanuel has 18 hours labor. 
for me they are like with, the, with me once i see the i mean i don't know it's basically occupational hazard because i can see i can i can smell an error I just look at it from far. I said, what is that number over there? How did I get it? I mean, it sounds so odd. It looks, I mean, they are all nonchalant. They'll give the answer. It's over, sir. What is over? You are over. If you continue like this. I'm telling you. You see, which is an exam where you will get more tension? In a personal interview or a written test? Answer? Personal interview. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the reason why even in our in, even in our university, you know what the professor used to say? We have no final exam. Oh, no final exam. Yay! Only assignment. No. I have viva. <laughs> because I am going to do interview. You know what, you know what interview means? I am going to see your inside. Is there truth in your inward parts? Because I want to make you a pure roboticist. Similarly, Romans, Psalm 89, look at what it says. For if his sons forsake me, forsake my law, and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes, and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with what? Ah, with a rod. And their iniquity with? By his stripes we are healed. No, 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 no. Now this is different. This is discipline. And then it goes on to say, Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has come out of my mouth. You know why? Because you are my son. I'm going to visit you for your iniquity. I have to straighten you up. Because I want to bless you. Because God will never be able to bless Jacob. I love Jacob. But I will not allow him to become Jacob. He has to become Israel. Therefore, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 30 will say, easy to remember, okay, 2030. There is a vision 2030 for the world. 2030 reset. God also has 2030 reset. What is God's 2030 reset? Blows and wounds. That is 2030. What do they do? They scrub away evil. Have you been a scrubber? Basan lo tome when you wash your utensils, what do you do? What do you use? Scrub. Steel scrub. All the oil stains, everything has to go, right? I will scrub away evil. How? Blows and wounds. Beatings purge the what? The inmost being. Okay, let's look at it in different renderings to get a complete picture. Okay? Blows that hurt. Ah, I like that. Blows have to hurt. No, no, beta, beta. Don't do it. Don't do it like that. Next time, don't do it, okay? If you do like that, he will laugh at you. I know my mother. She will say, oh, beta, don't do this. I was listening to Derek Prince the other day. I think his one of his uh, mother's daughters, when her ch- child or son used some word that came out of the mouth, which was out of order. You know what she did? She put soap. And she said, I want to cleanse your mouth. And you, she put soap and nicely brushed his teeth. From next time onwards, that is what we call as blows that hurt. Oh, you should not hurt your feelings. What will you do? 
What will you do? Okay, you want to make it a little more clear? Okay, see, it says, also do stripes, the depths of the heart. Okay, look at what it says, the next, in the New Living Translation. Okay, it's a beautiful translation. Physical punishment, <laughs> like that. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such a discipline, what does it do? It purifies the heart. It purifies the heart. Why? Love from a what heart? From a pure heart. Unless until the Lord disciplines you, you actually have not known His love. Unless and until your pastor cannot speak tough words with you, you have not experienced the love of the Father through your pastor. It is very easy to call Papu. But it's very difficult to allow him to be Papu. Hmm. Look at what it says in Psalm 141. Not my words, Baba. Let Vijay be a liar. Let God be true. Psalm 141. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Look at what it says. Do not incline, what? My heart to any evil thing. That is the reason why it says, abstain from every appearance of evil. Run away from youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness and faith and love from those who call upon God from a pure heart. From a pure heart. Do To practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat of their delicacies. And then it goes on to say, let the Righteous, kiss me, no, strike me, and it shall be what? Kindness. Huh? Not my words. And let him rebuke me, it shall be what? Excellent oil. You know why there's no anointing in the church? Because you do not allow the righteous to strike you. Not kiss me. Strike me. You know why? Because God is building and rotting character through the disciplinings that he's taking you through. He's cleansing you of all your motives. He's cleansing you of all your intentions. He's cleansing you of all wrong thoughts and wrong ideologies. He's showing you what works and what does not work. That is the reason why Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 will say, Go and stand and look for the ancient paths. Inquire among all the paths and look for the ancient paths. Then it will be excellent. Then it goes on to say, Romans chapter 5, Not only this, but we also tri- allow, uh, celebrate in what? What? What, what? what do we celebrate in? Not Christmas. Tribulation. Why? Knowing that tribulation brings about what? Perseverance. This is in uh, NASB, New American Standard Bible. And perseverance, what character? Proven character. And proven character brings hope. And that hope does not disappoint. But because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. But where, 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 where? It stands here. No. It's here. It's here. It's here. Proven character. The point is we want character which is not proven. So first, God has to give you a clean heart. That is when you come to the cross, acknowledge your sin, you meet God, and when He confronts you, when you repent of your sins, you have what we call as a clean heart. And a pure heart, He gives you that clean. 
clean heart and a pure heart. And then through the process of prunings and corrections and disciplinings, he continues to prune your heart. He continues to cleanse it from all wrong motives because you know what? Out of your heart are the water of life, the issues of life. Because there's an old nature and there's a new nature. And the new nature has to be constantly nourished and cherished and brought forth. So all thoughts, everything has to be cleansed. And God will cleanse you. God will take you through situations. That is the reason why he takes them first after they, he gives them an incredible victory at, at in, um, uh, near, on the, near the Red Sea. And then he takes them on a three day journey and brings them to what? Mara. And he says, there he proved them. And he says, and the, what happened? The bitter waters turned sweet. It is not the cross for you now. It is a cross in you. <laughs> That's a lot of difference. It's not the cross for you. Yes, but the cross in you. Understand that? So, first is encounter with God. Second with prunings with God. And the third, the third kind of cleansing. Hosea chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. Israel empties his wine. He brings forth fruit for himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. <laughs> According to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. Next one, what is that? Their heart is? Ah, divided. Now they are all guilty. First, he gives you a new heart. Second, he cleanses you of all wrong motives. The third thing, what does he do? He brings unity in your heart. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. Everybody knows this. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. This is what it says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Everybody knows this. And same verse. I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Meaning a heart which is teachable, which is malleable, which can be, which is easy to yield, which I can instruct, etc, etc, etc. But look at how it says in Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19. Juxtapose these two verses in your mind. Look at what it says. In Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19. And I will give them what? Not a new heart now. A one heart. One heart. And put a what? A new spirit within them. And I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of same words. But here what is he saying? Not a new heart. But that new heart is what? Is a what? Is a one heart. Other translations. Look at what it says in the NIV. I will give them a. Everybody say that. Ah, undivided heart. Shisha ho ya dil ho. Akhir tut jata hai. God will unite your heart. Man will break your heart. Everybody knows it. Everybody is very very romantic. Don't break my heart. My achy, breaky heart. Kya baat hai? You give it to man, he will break it. You know, that's exactly what has happened to this Samaritan woman. Five men broke her heart. Sixth man continues, continues to break her heart. 
And the seventh man comes. You know what he says? I want to heal your heart. That is the reason why the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To bind up what? The broken heart. To give them singleness. That's what it says in the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. The New Living Translation. I will give them what? Singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. A pure heart is a single heart. It is not a divided heart. It does not, does not have divided loyalties. It is loyal to God. It says in Isaiah chapter 50, you know what he says? Morning by morning, you woke me up. I gave my ear as a disciple. And you gave me a tongue of a disciple. And you know what I did? I did not hide my face from those who smote me. But on the contrary, I put my face like a flint. Singleness of heart. That is the reason why the psalmist, you know what he says? Psalmist, Psalm 86. Verse 11, yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) I love that verse, no? Verse 11 and 12. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. And look at this. Unite my heart. To do what? To fear your name. How do you know that you have a singleness of heart when you have reverence and fear of God in your heart for God? That is when I know that you have singleness of heart. Because you are conscious in everything that you do, whether it is bringing glory to God or not glory to God. You are conscious about God all the time. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with what? All my heart. Because you know why? Because you have united my heart. You made it one. It's not divided. That is the reason why a a church that does not preach separation is is robbing God, robbing the church of the blessing that God 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 has reserved for them. You know what he says? Be saved from this untoward generation. That's what he says. With many words he exhorted them. And he said, be saved from this untoward generation. And all those who gladly received the word were baptized. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Etc, etc, etc. So yield, my dear brothers. You know why? Because in the last days, you know what? Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because of lawlessness. And you know what the Bible says? Yield your members. Once upon a time, you yielded your members as instruments of lawlessness. Now yield your members as instruments of righteousness. You know what should you focus on? On yielding, my dear brothers. Yielding to what? To that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Obey with your whole heart. James chapter 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. He got his gender perfect. No gender confusion over here. All you adulterers know. Because women have different kind of adultery. Men have different kind of adultery. Do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There's no two ways about it. That's the reason. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed. Why? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit dwells in us, yearns with jealousy. In other words, it's got this kind of a love, jealous love for you. I'm not going to share that love that you have for me with anybody else. Please. Sorry, 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 sorry. Think about it, no? Think about it. 
Think about it. I mean, husband and wife. This should be normal in a husband and wife relationship. Why are you talking to that girl like that? It should happen. Why are you watching that person like that? It should happen. Why were you laughing like that? When that person said, made a comment like that? It should happen. Why is your flesh blushing? You know why? Because a wife should be jealous for the love of her husband. And a husband has to be jealous for the love of his, love of his wife. Just like Christ is jealous for the affections of his church. That is what we call a zeal, my dear brothers. That is the reason why we celebrate Phineas. You know why? He was zealous with the zeal of God. The zeal for God's house consumed him, it says in John's Gospel chapter 2. I'm not going to share your heart with anybody else. Sorry, you're mine because I bought you. I paid the price for you. And that is the reason why we have to teach our children loyalty. Right from childhood. So that one day when they grow up, they become loyal to their spouses and they don't break covenants like the way they break in the last days. The love of many has grown cold. Think about it. In a husband and a wife relationship, are you jealous for your husband's relationship? It should be normal. It should be. Why are you dressing like that? For me or for somebody else? Why? Those questions have to be asked. Because we are living in a world where covenant breakers are dime a dozen these days. You know what it says? You read some Christian websites, divers were $120. Divers made easy. So easy. The spirit yearns intensely, jealously for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good to have jealousy among husband and wife. You know why the Bible says jealousy is a husband's fury. And even if you try to give him many gifts, he will not be appeased. <laughs> Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Answer? It's a rhetorical question. Therefore, he says, whoever visits an harlot, he will have irreparable damage to his soul. Irreparable. The scars will be left for the rest of his life. There's a difference between wounds and burns. Burns stay for the rest of your life. There's a burn here for me. It's a huge mark. I was praying those days, Diwali cracker. Gone. One big burn here. It stays for the rest of my life. Same thing. And therefore, God says, you know what? Jealous for us. He says, I do not want to share my loyalty, your loyalty towards me with anybody else. Sorry. Look at what it says. But he gives grace. Therefore, God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to me and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You divided people. You have divided loyalties. Come on. Purify your hearts. Otherwise, you will have no pure love. It's all sentimental love without any genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody, my wife was telling me, if you, ha- if your company knows that you are having a, a dual job, you know what they will do? They'll fire you. That's it. Over. Sorry, sir. I'm not able to make my ends meet. I'm doing this part-time work. Sorry. Leave.
can't, can't have devoted loyalties. Lament and mourn therefore. And weep. Oh, you weep. You know something? You should read the book of Jeremiah. The, Jeremiah is, the book of Jeremiah is all about, all about different kinds of disciplines. Discipline your heart. Discipline your tongue. And he says, have a disciplined cry also. You know what it says? Call the mourners. Call the mourners and teach them how to mourn. Wow, what a statement that is. What a statement. You know who wrote the book of Lamentations? Jeremiah. In other words, lament systematically. Because every lamentation chapter has 22 verses. 22 verses is an acrostic. It is not an acrostic. It is an acrostic. It is exactly according to the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph to Tav. So you want to cry? I will show you how to cry. I want to cry more. No problem. Lamentations chapter 3. 66 verses. You can cry more. But systematically. Can you mourn like that? Oh, everybody. For, for what? What are you mourning for? One of the things that I told, told my daughters. I said, you know what? When you cry, weep when you sin against God. That is when you have to shed your tears. Then your tears will be put in God's bottle. Divide loyalties, no. God is not going to accept it. Luke's Gospel chapter 16, look at what it says. No one can serve. Ah. You will what? (laughs) Hate. (laughs) And love. You will be devoted or despised. Hate, love, devoted, despise. Mm-hmm. God will not accept divided loyalties. It's, it, you can, you'll take that into every sphere of your life. You know, today we have what we call as um, feedback forms. You know, those days when we go to school, whether you like the teacher or not, you endure the class. There was nothing, how did you like the lecture? Feedback form. Was he good? Was he funny? Was he explaining well pro- things properly? Etc. 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 You have, nowadays what we have? Feedback forms. Do you like your, do you like your teacher? Sorry, majority of people say we don't like the teacher. So what do they do? They will fire the teacher. Now let us go to the next level. Do you like your father? Your mother? Feedback form. My father? No, I don't like my father. Don't like my mother. CPS will come and take you. No, next, next level. Do you like your husband? Feedback form. No, I don't like my husband. Change your husband. Change your wife. This is exactly how it is. Those days, whether you like it or not, you sit in the class. Whether you like the teacher or not. But no. Feedback. I, I, see, I'm not saying, you know, there are not negatives with that. There are negatives. I'm talking about the mindset. You see? We, we change. You know, one of the things is very difficult for me. Once I have made up my mind in one place, I stick there for the rest of my life. Finished. Over. Only, only God has to move me. Once I logged into one girl, that's it, over. 
No feedback. Better or for worse. Richer, poorer. In sickness, health. Finished. That is what we call as covenant. Covenant. My loyalty is undivided. Same thing will go to God. Do you like this God? Feedback. That's what Aaron did. We do not know what happened to the Moses. Okay, what kind of God do you want? Give me feedback form. This is the God he made a God. These are your what? These are what? These are your gods. You change to gods now. Multiple gods you can choose now. Who brought you out of Israel? Oh my dear brothers, what kind of a world are we living in? Think about it now. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And the same thing will come to church also. Feedback. Constructive feedback should be there, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, I don't like this. This is too tough. This is loose. Finished. So, lot of places. How do you like the service? What should we do better so that you will come back next time? Divided loyalties. You know something? Stick to one place until God moves you. Until, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, people should not move. They should move. In God's appointed time, in God's appointed way, to get the blessing of the church, get the blessing of the leadership, and go in peace, and it will go well with you. It's for everybody. Even if God has to move me out of this place, if that day ever has to come, I say, Lord, I want to move in your time, in your way, when you ask me to move, I've got confirmation from everybody, I've got the blessing of the church, and I'm going to move. Luke's Gospel chapter 10. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are what? Worried and troubled about many things. But what is needful? One thing is needful. Undivided loyalty. Martha has chosen that path. One. I like this. God is making us what? One, right? One, one, one. First Kings 11. Okay. Look at what it says. Verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. You cannot. It's impossible. And what happens? Surely they will turn away what? Your hearts. And what happens? Solomon clung to these in love and he had 700 princesses, 300 concubines and his wives ultimately turned his heart away. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wife turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was his father David. The purity of heart, the third thing, having undivided loyalty toward God. And God is doing that in all of us. He says, he puts us, puts before us, choose today, whom will you serve? If God is God, Worship Him. If Yahweh is God, worship Him. And you make a choice today. Amen. So we have love from a pure heart, from a clear conscience, and from sincere faith. We looked at a pure heart. And I want to look at a good conscience in the time that we have. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Romans chapter 2. This is what it says. Who show the work of the law written where? In their 
hearts. Okay? This is where. That's the reason why the pure heart is important first. Their conscience also bearing. So where is the conscience? In your heart. So what should the conscience do? It is a warning sign. If you are doing wrong, it will accuse you. If you are doing right, it will excuse you. And then it says in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Afterward, David was what? Conscience stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. That is a man after God's own heart. David was what? Stricken? Conscience stricken. Look at another translation. And it came to pass after that that David's what? Heart smote him. Same thing. So where is the, where is the conscience? In your heart. Where that is where you train it now. Because you are trained by the word of God in your heart. You believe in your heart. You know the right convictions are there inside of your heart. And there is a warning sign whenever you go wrong. Mm-hmm. Does your heart smite you? Does it smite you? Think about it now. He cut off the edge of Saul's robe. And afterwards, sleepless nights. Oh Lord, what did I do? Does it bother you? When you make something which is wrong and you know it is wrong and you have to put it right and its conscience is bothering you and bothering you and bothering you but you know what? You harden and harden and harden. You do not listen to the voice of your conscience. Does your heart smite you? Mm-hmm. So what happens to, 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 to David? Second Samuel chapter 11. That's danger. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Look at this man. Uriah said, how can I go and sleep in my home with a clear conscience when all my, my, my buddies are fighting in the war? How can I do it? How can I sleep? Does your conscience bother you? John's Gospel chapter 8. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up his, himself and said unto them, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote to the wrote on the ground. And it says, And when they had heard it, they've been convicted by their what? Own conscience. Does your conscience convict you? Mm-hmm. That is the reason why a pure heart is important. Otherwise you will not have love. You will be all sentiment. So love from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. So you know what a pure heart is. And you know what a good conscience is, right? Now we need to have sincere faith. A good conscience, by the way, that's the reason why Paul says, I endeavor to keep my conscience clear with God and with man. Otherwise, I will not have this love. Finally, Sincere faith. How do we get it? Let me finish it. Second Timothy chapter 1. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a what conscience? With a clear conscience. Love that. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now look at this. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may, I, so, I, uh, so that I may be filled with you. 
I I am reminded of your what faith? Sincere faith. How did it come? Which was first in your grandmother and in your mother. Now it is also found in you. How did this guy, Timothy, get this sincere faith? Faith comes from hearing and from hearing the word of God. Faith towards whom? Towards a person. Faithfulness towards a person. Look at what it says in Second Timothy chapter 3. This is what Second Timothy chapter 3 says as to how you can get this sincere faith. And that from childhood. You have known the Holy Scriptures. Who taught you? Your grandmother and your mother who had this sincere faith. They transmitted this sincere faith by the preaching of what? Of the Holy Scriptures. Which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This is that faith. This sincere faith which comes from Holy Scriptures. Why? All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That a man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that mean? God has to give us the whole counsel. The whole counsel. All scripture. The good part of scripture. The bad part of scripture. The ugly part of scripture. All scripture. So that... You get what is right, you get corrected, sorry, you know what is wrong, you get corrected and you continue in this way of righteousness. Because my righteous shall live by faith. From what kind of faith? Sincere faith. And only then, when you have these three pillars, your love is genuine, otherwise it is some sentimental, sloppy love that the Bible never talks about. Okay. Three pillars of love this morning. Pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And that is how God brought this love in your heart through this process of purging your heart, granting you a good conscience where your convictions are strong. And then, even as you surrender yourself, Submit yourself to the teaching of the word of God. You get what we call as sincere faith. And from there you get this love. Stable, unchanging, constant love toward God. A disciplined love, not a childish love. A love of a man who is truly, genuinely spiritual. By this shall all know. You are my disciples. How? The love that you have. And how do you get this love? From a pure heart, from a sincere, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Make these three strong every day of your life. When your conscience convicts you, straighten it up. Straighten yourself, not the conscience. Because ultimately you can warp your conscience also. That is what, that is what we call, what we call as a seared conscience. And it says, some people having a seared conscience made shipwreck of their faith. You want a sincere faith or a shipwreck faith? All depends upon this conscience. And how do you have a clear conscience? Because the law of God is written in your heart. Through the new covenant, convictions have been formed. And then when you go to Potiphar's house, you will say, I want to keep my conscience clear before God. How can I do this grave sin against God?
Oh, please. Master of the eunuchs, I do not want to defile myself. Please, can you give me vegetables? I don't want to defile myself. I don't want to sin against my God. I want to keep myself pure. Good conscience. You know what happens? With that, you get boldness. Because your conscience is your first witness. And when you speak, you know what? Your conscience will say, yes, Vijay, that is true. Speak on. Because your conscience has been trained by the word of God from a pure heart to a good conscience to sincere faith. So this morning, can we all stand up? Series on love. We are people of the new covenant. I do not know, maybe you are going through a process of pruning in your own life. Don't fight God. Yield. Whatever the situation be, yield. And say, Lord, I hang on to you. I cling on to you. I made a covenant. I want to be like Ruth, Lord. I have a sincere, undivided love for you. Where do you go? I go. Your God, my God. Your people, my people. Where you die, I die. And when Naomi saw that her mind was made up, she quit arguing with Ruth. And this morning, say, Lord, make my heart undivided, Lord. Lord, make me one. Make me one in my heart. Otherwise, it's divided. It is impure. And I will not have that sincere love, the love that you have, that you want us to have, unless it is from a pure heart. And therefore, rot in me that Lord, that pure heart, O Lord. And let me not fight your disciplinings. Let me not fight your prunings. Let me yield so that I have that love that you desire for me to have. Not sentimental, not sloppy, but sincere. Love without dissimulation. Love that is pure. Love that covers but is not afraid to confront at the same time. Because it's only through confronting that we cover. Grant us that kind of love. A sincere love for one another. A pure love. This morning, O Lord, touch each and every one of us. Beginning with me, O Lord. Lord, so many times we silence the voice of our conscience screaming at us. But we silenced it. It was bothering us. But we justified it. But Lord, this morning, enable us, Lord, to develop that sincere, tender, good conscience. And it convicts us that we will make corrections. Like David, O Lord, his heart smote him. We needed a small mistake. But he was sensitive to your spirit. And therefore he remained teachable all the days of his life. 
And he was a man who could truly, truly love you. You could say, Lord, I love you. You are my rock. You are my fortress. And that became scripture. Because that was genuine, true love. Love without dissimulation. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Write your laws in the deepmost parts of our inner man. And cause us to walk in your ways. To that end, I pray that you would bless us. Even as we go about this week. Touch us and bless us. I thank you, Father, for this time. I praise you. I worship you. I give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have sincere, loving fellowship with one another. God bless you.